This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Do your investments align with your values? Well, now's the time to increase your triple bottom line to better people, profit, and the planet. Amalgamated Investment Services, a division of America's socially responsible bank, has a deep-seated commitment to affecting systemic change through investments. By specializing in triple bottom line impact, they can help navigate the common hurdles experienced by nonprofit organizations and foundations, from creating a sustainable policy statement to avoiding the all-too-prevalent greenwashing. If you would like to join them in creating a more just and sustainable world, please visit amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Again, that's amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Securities offered through Infinix Investments Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Amalgamated Investment Services is a trade name of Amalgamated Bank. Infinex and Amalgamated Bank are not affiliated. As a leader of a nonprofit, you know firsthand how important it is to have the right technology, tools, and strategies in place to achieve your mission. Well, that's where Heller Consulting comes in. Heller Consulting is a premier consulting firm that specializes in helping nonprofit organizations achieve their goals through effective technology strategy and implementation. Whether you need help with technology roadmaps, CRM strategy, Salesforce, or Microsoft implementations, Team Heller has you covered. With Heller Consulting on your side, you can trust that you'll have the support you need to make the most of your organization's technology resources. Visit teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Again, that's teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Are you exhausted at always feeling like you're managing up or alternatively feeling ignored by your staff? Do you ever feel like you're being let down again and again? Is your board disengaged? Have you tried every tool, script, brochure, and technique, but still haven't found lasting results? Well, today's guest has some practical ideas and tools for you as a leader that you can put into practice today. My guest is Marianne Dirsch. Marianne is a nonprofit consultant and coach who trains and speaks to nonprofit leaders in order to help them master the art of influence so they can raise more money and lead more effectively. Enjoy today's show. Well, Marianne, it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, your whole mission in life is to help leaders, specifically nonprofit leaders, learn how to become more effective leaders. And I think that's, we shared, I shared this before we got started today. That's what this whole podcast is about. And I'm very much, I share and resonate with your mission. Uh, I think uh, leadership is such an important thing. And particularly with the nonprofit world, any more resources that we can provide for all of us is a good thing in my book. And that's what you're all about. So I'm excited to talk about that today. And I wanted to start with what have you seen as some of the biggest barriers to effective leadership? Maybe we'll start there. Wow. Okay. Well, no, my background and my expertise is in marketing, messaging, communication, right? 
And what I learned from that is why people weren't communicating effectively wasn't because of the right words. It was because of something inside them that would be a barrier to them telling a more authentic, vulnerable, emotional story, right? So that may feel weird or feel scary, and then that would be a barrier. So what I learned was that if you ask me, like, people want to solve internal issues with external solutions, right? Like, if I had the right message, I'd feel better. If I had the right script, I'd feel better, right? If my board would would support me more effectively, I'd feel better. When actually, it's the opposite. When I feel better, when I feel confident, right? When I feel capable, when I feel like I can navigate praise and criticism and anything that comes, then, then, right? Then from that place, we we share a message or we engage with people. So that's the biggest barrier for me is wanting something external, a strategy to solve an internal, emotional, or, you know, conflict and internal understanding of, of your emotions and how they are, how they're impacting your day-to-day everyday day-to-day decision-making. It's a really interesting insight. I really like that. And oftentimes when it comes to these things, I think we often are always seeking for those quick fixes to our leadership challenges and barriers. And so now thinking about these barriers that you listed, what have you seen as the most common quick fixes that at best don't work, but at worst actually create bigger problems? Maybe particularly when it comes to, you know, dealing with those (laughs) internal things. What have you found there? Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, the, you know, the magic wands, right? Like, like here's my magic wand that's going to make something go away. Um, most of it I see is like around fundraising. People want, um, they will hire a consultant or they will hire someone and they will like, okay, now I'm not going to have to do the icky challenging stuff. I'm going to leave that with you. And they sort of abdicate responsibility of the things that make them uncomfortable and thereby advocating the outcome, right? I can't want more for than, you know, than somebody I hire. I I have to also be an, just as invested in the outcome and be willing to be uncomfortable in order to do that. And that that's really like the, the most common thing I see. Or a, in the same sense of like a board will say, well, hey, we hired you to do that. What do you need us for? Right. Like, so I've, I've abdicated responsibility of something only because it makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, you go, you go get it. You, right. You go, you go do the hard stuff. I'm just going to sit here and stay safe. (laughs) Interesting. So you've seen that where people would rather play it safe rather than delve into the deep, brutal facts of whatever's going on in their organization. And that really then down the road undercuts their leadership. Right. So a lot of times it's like, like even you say the brutal facts or the drama and it feels really negative to and that it feels hard for people like they don't want to manage people's feelings. Like I had a client say once, you know, I wanted to avoid the drama. It's like, no, like you have to go through it to get to the other side of it. And sometimes we just want to play around it or hope it goes away. And really that it's just like you said, it's just going to come back. Like people want to feel seen and heard and they will keep coming back until they feel seen and heard. And that can oh, that can oftentimes not all the time, but it can oftentimes uh, create more of a problem, right? And if they would have just dealt with something the first time. Being in the nonprofit space, one of the biggest questions I get is about grant funding. Nonprofit leaders know that grants can be a very important part of their overall revenue, but knowing how to write grants well and where to find them can leave many of us overwhelmed. 
Well, it's a good thing my friend Holly Rustic at Grant Writing and Funding creates ways to make grant writing simple and achievable. Well, here's the good news. She is offering you, my listener, a free grant writing class. And of course, she also has her own podcast, Grant Writing and Funding. So I encourage you to visit grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob for the free grant writing class and find out more about Grant Writing and Funding podcast. Once again, that's grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob. Well, it's a great segue into specifically leading your staff. Uh, many of my listeners are staff members. Many are CEOs or executive directors of their organization, uh, development directors. So let's talk about building healthy team dynamics. Um, you've already kind of touched on it a little bit, but what would you say are the most effective ways to build that healthy team dynamic, regardless of you're the ED or CEO or development director, whatever position you're in, how do you foster a healthy team environment? You know, teams are made up of individuals. and each individual's ability to consciously lead themselves contributes to a healthier team. So in my work, you know, when I work with organizations, when I work with teams to develop their leadership and communication skills, it's about each person understanding how they can show up more effectively, how they can raise their standard for what they will will and will not tolerate, and how they can create what I agreements and boundaries to support those standards. And and so I, I work a lot with like there's boundaries, which are things we don't want to have happen, and agreements, which are things we do want to have happen. Sure. So working with that to create new agreements for how we're going to work together from a place of like conscious leadership and understanding. Because, you know, I said, you know, my my background is marketing and messaging. And what I saw was why people weren't communicating effectively externally. It's because they weren't communicating effectively internally, right? And and they they couldn't they could they didn't know how to make decisions. They didn't know and they didn't know how to like get through something difficult and like navigate difficult conversations. So for me, it's each person understanding, you know, how again their their emotions, their feelings play into everyday decision making. Because so much of what's in our brain and so much of how we think and feel and the way we make decisions and what triggers us and what you know is so hardwired in us that unless you really look at it, you don't understand it. And you might, uh, and you may feel like you're reacting some way, it, you know, and, and not understand it, but not know how to navigate to any, any place else. Okay. No, well said on that. Now, when it comes to making sure your organization has mission alignment, a lot of times, you know, and particularly as your organization gets bigger, you have to work even harder and more specifically in terms of gathering your team and making sure you have a clear vision and clear mission. And then you take the next step of keeping them uh, mission aligned. How does a leader do that? How does a leader effectively motivate their team to move towards mission alignment as an organization? Well, I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of ways to do that. I feel like one of the biggest understood or under um, utilized uh, payoffs to the messaging, right, is that when we're creating a mis- mission message vision, that we're all embodying that message. So t- typically, like if somebody from an organization, like they say, what do you do? They're going to talk about what they do, what their job is, right? But what people ask, like, what do you do? They're really asking, what difference does the organization make, right? Like, what difference do we make in the world? And that's really the question that they want answered. And so when everyone is repeating the same answer, 
you know what I'm saying? Then, then that it's, it's a constant reinforcement of, of the vision, which I think is a great, a lovely byproduct of, of branding that I don't think people understand how powerful it is. And really, I think the best leadership is about a vision, right? Here's the vision that, and I'm holding us in that vision and holding us to that vision. And, um, as we all work towards it. And for me, like my, you know, what I train people in is influence. And what I mean by influence is getting people you have no authority over, and sometimes people that you have authority over to do what you want them to do, but in a way that it, they're excited. They don't have to do it. They're choosing to do it. And like the energy of choice. Like I want to, like, I, it's like, I need to, like, I need to pay my taxes. I need, like, I have, I choose to, I'm, I'm, I get to, I get to call donors. I choose to that energy of choice, right? That's what you want from people and keeping them in that energy of choice and keeping them like, Hey, here's this vision that we're all working towards. And yes, there's bumps to the room day to day, but we're, but holding that vision and that, and, and, and holding them so they can see the progress they're making towards it every day. Now, effective communication is clearly a critical skill, right, for leaders to develop. And I think it's one of those where you're always developing and improving and, and sharpening your communication skills, particularly if you're the head of an organization. Yeah, I've found that it doesn't mean, you know, when we talk about communication, you don't have to necessarily be the highest energy person on the team. But I have found that what it does mean is you're able to clearly communicate to others on the team. And as you said, vision is so critical so maybe you could talk about that a little bit more. What are the most essential aspects to effective communication that really lead then to effective leadership? That's so, that's so funny that you said that about like, we think we want to be the most extroverted because I typically am. <laughs> and that always doesn't make me the best best communicator. Yeah, I'll get up there in front of people. That That's not what, and, and, you know, I think there is a bias to say, oh, leadership means I'm that person out there, you know, and, and you know, a lot of nonprofit leaders are sort of servant leaders. They like to lead from behind. They get the, they get their joy. What fills their is when they make everyone else happy, right? They, 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 the, all of those relationships. And for me, the biggest skill is not in speaking, which is important, but it's listening, like really deep listening. Cause people tell you what they want. They'll tell you what they're about if you listen. And a lot of times when we listen, we're listening with an agenda. Right. Like we're listening because we're trying to get them to do something or convince them of something more instead of just really listening without what I call release the outcome without agenda. I just, I'm listening because if I listen deeply and I'm listening to your tone, your words, your cadence, your energy, all of those things, because energy speaks louder than words. I can hear a lot, you know, because people will buy what I say, like people will buy to the level they feel seen and heard. And what I mean by that is, your job as a communicator is to allow people to feel seen and heard and understood because we all know how frustrating it is not to be understood, right? I, I am, I, I'm a professional and I got mad at the lady on the phone because she wouldn't listen to me what my problem was. She kept dismissing my problem. And I'm like, no, she's like, well, you don't even know. I'm like, ah, I got so upset because I wasn't being heard. And so people want to be seen, heard and understood. And once they do that, they relax. And when they relax, they're open to what you have to say. So it's not so much like picking the right word. It's helping people feel seen and understood so they relax. And in that relaxing, then they're open to what you have to say. 
I think you're really, you're so right on that. Well said. And communication obviously is one of those critical skills for a leader. I think another one I found is uh, the ability to resolve conflict. In fact, I've found in my own experience that the inability to resolve conflict in a healthy way within a team can not only affect the team negatively and immediately, but over the long term, this actually could start creating a toxic environment in your team over time. So how can teams effectively resolve conflict? What have you seen there? You know, Rob, I've had a long journey. This is one of the biggest lessons I've learned. I have an 18, almost 19-year-old who his gift to me is to help me understand the role of conflict in our <laughs> life, right? If anyone else is raising a teenager, I, my son had a, some challenges and he has a mood disorder and it's, it's an adventure. So he, here's what I want to say about that is, you know, peace and conflict is a balance. It's like if you and I were on a teeter-totter, right? And our feet are just barely touching and we're in that space, right? Because we need peace and we need conflict. And what I was doing, and I, this is what I see other people do, is they put peace on a pedestal. And I think women, like women and women leaders are especially attuned to this because, you know, we are taught very young, you know, girls are nice, right? And we appease people and, right? And so uh, the idea of conflict feels very overwhelming. So we put peace on a pedestal. And what, what happens to that teeter-totter, right? If, if, if I'm not, and I get up, right? And, that, and then you're up here and I get up and you go, boom, down. And that peace falls off the pedestal and crashes. So by avoiding conflict, you're actually creating more conflict. So the, the, does that make sense? Like, am I, are you with me here? But the, so the more... The more I avoid, right? And so with my kid, like, I'll just tell you with my kid, like I was really conflict diverse. And then what, what happened is that would build and build and build. And so boom, there was an eruption and, you know, that pedestal, bam, fell down. Now we have, we have tremendous conflict. So allowing for that peace, like, okay, conflict isn't, and we judge conflict as bad and peace as good, right? And one thing feels bad and one thing goes well. So if we relieve the judgment and we just look at it as information, Conflict is just a natural part of me and, and natural. Right? And, and so, and, the, and if I can tolerate a little bit of conflict, I know I'm creating peace. And so a lot of times, like you, you don't say what you want to say, and then you go out and you tell somebody in the hallway, you know, um, and I, I just had a, um, one of the participants in my program and she was in a meeting and like the way, and it was, it, there was a lot of, difficult, I don't want to say difficult, but uh, major decisions being made and how this organization was going to operate. And the way she navigated that, she saw somebody getting uncomfortable. And instead of maybe like ignoring or trying to move past it, she's like, you look like this, you know, tell me what's going on. And everybody, let's call it the sacred container, like the safe space, it's okay. Like, let, we'll, we'll figure it out. It's like allowing for a little bit of conflict then creates that balance. And again, this is a big lesson that I am always learning and in the process of learning in my life because I saw, you know, conflict as negative and that was something to avoid. And if you weren't getting along all the time, it was a problem. And again, like a lot of times people don't have the words or the ability to navigate that. And, you know, and now it's triggering feelings of guilt and shame and all this stuff like, oh, I don't want to feel that. So I'm just going to, you know, put that off and then boom, it all comes down. And, you know, it's not drama. It's, it's not people being difficult. 
it's um you know it's people wanting their needs met and you you know what i'm saying and and wanting to be wanting to be heard we'll be right back do you want a clear step-by-step system to write grants so that your nonprofit secures funding in a stress-free manner well check out the free grant writing class how to write winning grants in seven proven steps You will walk away with seven nuggets of grant writing clarity and a free action workbook so you can start writing higher quality grants today. Just watch this free class now at grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob. Again, that's grantwritingandfunding.com slash Rob. Do your investments align with your values? Well, now's the time to increase your triple bottom line to better people, profit, and the planet. Amalgamated Investment Services, a division of America's socially responsible bank, has a deep-seated commitment to affecting systemic change through investments. By specializing in triple bottom line impact, they can help navigate the common hurdles experienced by nonprofit organizations and foundations. From creating a sustainable policy statement to avoiding the all-too-prevalent greenwashing. If you would like to join them in creating a more just and sustainable world, please visit amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Again, that's amalgamatedbank.com slash nonprofit investing. Securities offered through Infinix Investments Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Amalgamated Investment Services is a trade name of Amalgamated Bank. Infinix and Amalgamated Bank are not affiliated. As a leader of a nonprofit, you know firsthand how important it is to have the right technology, tools, and strategies in place to achieve your mission. Well, that's where Heller Consulting comes in. Heller Consulting is a premier consulting firm that specializes in helping nonprofit organizations achieve their goals through effective technology strategy and implementation. Whether you need help with technology roadmaps, CRM strategy, Salesforce, or Microsoft implementations, Team Heller has you covered. With Heller Consulting on your side, you can trust that you'll have the support you need to make the most of your organization's technology resources. Visit teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. Again, that's teamheller.com slash NLP to learn more. I think you've had a really good insight there. I, I would agree. I too struggle with making peace the goal. Like that is that you put it on a pedestal. I like how you've said that as opposed to saying, hey, we need both. Uh, they're both important. It's just how you resolve conflict and how you live in peace. So I like that juxtaposition, so to speak, between the two of those. I think that's a healthy way to look at it. Now, that's a good, again, segue into change because change often creates conflict and change can yep. actually disrupt the peace in organization. And but you've been around long enough, right? Change is inevitable in every organization, particularly I feel like nonprofits experience that. And if you're going to grow your nonprofit, you're going to experience change. So when it comes to being a catalyst for positive change, so good change in organization, oftentimes the ED and the CEO is something they this they need to grow in that and really learn how to bring about change in the right way and in the best way so that it actually is received by the rest of the team. So I guess this is specifically for EDs or CEOs. How can they be a positive catalyst for change in their organization and not blow up their organization along the way? Right, right, right. And so for me, there there's three, there's three ways that I approach change and creating change. And and I do in every person I work with every training I do and you need three things um attitude action and accountability so and if and most of the time when people try to implement change and it goes flat they're missing one of those pieces so the attitude is how we think and feel about what's going on right and then the at the action is what we're doing 
right? What's the behavior? And then the accountability is the structure, the system, right? What what system are we going to put in place? How can we hold ourselves accountable for creating, for sustaining whatever change that we want? So we have to get our head right, our, our thoughts right, understand what behaviors we want, and then create that system to support that. And most of the time when I see people struggle, they're they're focusing on one or the other. They're putting a system in place with really people are afraid or they're they don't understand. And that they're not they're not participating because because we haven't checked in on how are you right? How how is your attitude towards this? How are you feeling about this? Or they're not sure what they're supposed to be doing. So we need all three to to be effective. And when I work with folks, like I I I I work the same way. I, I I focus on what is the attitude, what are the actions, and then what is the system of accountability. When people tell me like something's happening, whatever, I, the, one of the questions is that, well, what system of accountability you have in place? And almost always they say we don't have one. So attitude, actions, accountability. Those are the key pieces you feel like if you don't have all three of those, right? Bringing change to your organization could be difficult. Yes. And like, let's say, you know, you go off to a conference, right? And you get some big idea and you come back and you're like, we're going to do this idea. And people are like, okay. Um, they, you know, <laughs> and they go, they go, uh, uh, and that idea falls. That's never happened to any CEO or ED. <laughs> so in influence, right? What I train people on is influence. One of the things that you look for is I don't need to pitch you or sell you or convince you. What I want to say, here's my idea. What need do you have that might solve for this idea? So I'm just going to give you a quick, a quick story. about. All right. So I was working with this team, like a 14 person leadership team. And this woman said, my direct report, the woman who reports to me, I know there's a lot of fighting on her team. This was a couple of years ago. It was during COVID, right? And, and, and it, they work with adults with disabilities. It's like a super, super stressful time. And she really wanted to reconnect her team. And she wanted to do some team building stuff. And she found this team building activity that she thought that they would like. Now, if she would roll in and, and say to that person, that, to her direct report, you know, I have this team building thing. They'd be like, you know, because... There's no context for it. So I said, let's set that, set your idea aside and then go and talk to her and, and ask her what's going on. So, you know, have a conversation. Oh, you know, we're not getting along and it's, it's really hard for me because we're good people, but it's just been so stressful and I'd love a way for us to connect better. Well, I'm so glad you said that because I, I, have, I have this idea and let me know what you think of it um, and, you know, how you feel about that. And then you're introducing the idea of this team building, but now there's context because because I'm I'm showing her how it can relieve a pain she has. So people don't like to be pitched or sold, you know. And but and um, they do like to buy. So like I say, people that like to be sold, but they like to buy. So they want to like I'm allowing her to like in this case, the team leader was allowing her direct report to buy into the idea into her all the time, right? And so. One of the biggest things I work with people on is like release the outcome. The more that I want something to happen, the less likely I am to get it. So if I if I know I'm okay no matter what, and, and that I and navigate, so I'm really so the the more I want somebody to do something, the less likely they are to do it. The more I can give the decision making power to uh, to them, the, the more likely they are to decide what I want. So by allowing her to decide if this was right for her. Now she's like, okay, instead of saying, well, we're going to do this team building thing. Now, now they feel pushed, right? They feel pushed on. They've, now there's resentment for this. 
when now it's the same activity, but there's a whole different perception around because she chose it. Remember I said the energy of choice. Like, yes, I'm choosing this. I want to do this. I get not only we get to do this, we're excited to do this because we chose it. And it takes a little bit more navigating, but you're going to get people who truly bought in instead of doing what you told them to do because they have to do it, right? Because that's that's not what we want. We want people to that come from the energy of I get to or I choose to. Well, let's switch a little bit to leading the staff to leading specifically with the board. Um, you mentioned this quite a bit in your work is, you know, the importance of leading up, so to speak, or leading with your board, particularly again, if you're a CEO or ED, that's such a critical piece of your leadership day in and day out of your organization for nonprofits. When it comes to being an executive director or CEO, if you find yourself with a board that is disengaged, what do you do? How do you solve that one? What, that, that's going to, that's a challenging one. And I think a lot of people deal with that. So what's your advice to them? They do. And I, you know, I feel for them because it is, you feel overwhelming. The board itself is a weird structure, right? Like you, you bring these people on for their expertise and they're supposed to be leading you and then you're leading them and it can, can create an odd dynamic, right? So we all get that. When I talk with people and the first question I ask is, and this, and I'm saying this with love, right? And I'm saying this because I want to be valuable to you. And I want you to understand, I said, when did it become okay with you that they became disengaged? Because there's a part of you that accepted that behavior as okay. Right? And so the first step, the first step is raising your standards. Take, like, get back on your throttle, raise your standards, take your power back because people are afraid to ask for what they really want because they're going to be a burden or a position or they're so busy to self. Raise your standards. And when you raise your standards, they will either rise to meet them or fall away. But truly, it's less about the board, right? It's, it's less about the board and more about, oh, wait, I did it. Wait, I am allowing this to happen. Um, okay, take your power back, right? Enough of this. You deserve better. You deserve a board. That's and once you realize that's what you deserve, and then it, it, it comes from a whole different perspective. Like I, I worked with this woman and she's like, my book's so tired and I, we don't, there's no energy. And, uh, you know, when she really stood her ground and raised her standards and she turned over a lot more of the leadership to them and just shifted the whole energetic and they became a lot more engaged. Typically, I want to list everything that, everything around you is a mirror. If you're willing to look at it, right? So what that board engagement, I can look at that and say, okay, what, how is this showing up for me in other places? Where am I letting people not, you know, like, where am I lowering my standards at other places of my life and allowing things to happen that I don't really want to have happen because I'm afraid to raise my standards because I'm afraid they won't be met. But once you raise your standard, people like, and then this happened, you have to announce it, you have to sit. Once you, once you make that choice, people either rise to meet it or they'll fall away. And I see it over and over and over again. Such an interesting insight, and I think you're absolutely right on that. So when it comes to creating an effective board relationship, um, especially with the board chairperson, I would think that's always the, one of the most typical, most important relationships when it comes to the board. How does the ED and CEO go ahead and continue to create that effective relationship, particularly when maybe there's been some rocky relationship experiences in the past, or there's been some disengagement, or a CEO and ED person comes in uh, to the position as a new person, but the board is the same, and now you're rebuilding trust with this board and they're really rebuilding trust with the ED or CEO. Could you speak to that maybe? 
I think, well, I, I think this answer could be true for a lot of relationships, but especially this one. We often want to, if someone has a problem, we want to solve it, fix it right away. And um, instead of that, really digging deeper into the objection or the issue. Because, okay, let's say, I don't like how that was handled. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, because you're, it makes you feel bad and you want that feeling to dissipate as quickly as possible. So if you can hold and understand your emotions of what's happening in your body while this is going on, you can say, tell me more about that. What, what disappointed you? I'd love, right? So I'm into the objection. I'm leaning into the resistance. Because most of the time, the people want to feel seen and heard. And when they feel seen and heard and understood, that tension just dissipates. Like, she gets it. Thank God. So in any situation like that, I'm going to set my needs aside. Because if I'm a value to you, you'll be a value to me. I think, how can I be a value to them? And, and that is in the listening, the witnessing, right? Ha- having them feel seen and heard. That's what I call the witnessing. Um, and, and really deep, because, and you know this, Rob, you know the presenting problem. The problem they, is never really the actual problem, right? There's, there's something a little bit deeper going on that I want to get to, right? And so I don't, you know, I don't like the way you're handling this. Like, okay, well, tell me more about that. What's going on? Like, and then you can tap into, I think, what's really meaningful. You know, I, I see this happen all the time. Like, oh, if we, if our board had a brochure, you know, we could, we could fundraise and then the, the ED or the development team and the, they, they make brochure and then they give them the brochure and nothing happens. Because that wasn't the problem. That was the problem they could admit to, right? The problem they, they knew, but they couldn't do their, their, they, they're afraid of, of saying the wrong thing. So do you see what I'm saying? So if we get down to the actual problem, we can we can remove the resistance and and then create a new agreement based on this new information. No, very well said. I like that. Well, and uh, maybe one last question when it comes to, again, you talk a lot about creating your influence and improving your influence as a leader. And you gave this definition earlier. Any last thoughts in terms of uh, some of the most important things a leader who's listening to this podcast to say, hey, I really want to up my game when it comes to my influence, both with my staff with the board, as well as the community at large, any other last thoughts of what you have found to be the most important things people should put into practice? Oh, 100%. Especially like the leader, you set the emotional temperature of an organization, right? And if you are putting out fear and, 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 and insecurity and uncertainty, that's what you're going to get back. So cultivating, like I said, the queen, like I call it the undefended queen on the throne, I'm holding myself sovereign no matter the external circumstance. I'm going to hold myself. And I, and this is a practice, okay? This is, this is not a wand. We work on this every day. And like one of my clients, she, we're working on like calm confidence, right? They work in a very hectic space. And she said, even I thought, I don't need to rush into the building. <laughs> Just like for the moment out of the car, right? Like, okay. I, and, and because whatever you put out is what you get back. And so you, you, if you want somebody to, you know, to, you know, relax or trust, then you have to look again, it's a mirror. How can I model that? Right. And, and be the change I see in others. And uh, mostly it's just, if our standards are the floor, right. And we want to do better. We want to raise our ceiling. We have to raise our standards and then build new boundaries and agreements as walls to uphold those standards. And so the time is like, raise your standards. There's, there's, you know, for what you will and will not allow. And people will either rise to meet it or they'll fall away. 
I really like that. And that's a great way to close. Well, I think I, my listeners are going to probably want to learn a little bit more about you. You have your own podcast, of course. You've got a book. Um, how can people find out more about you and connect with you? Yeah. So my website is courageouscommunication.com. You can go there. And I have a, um, a cool guide if somebody wants it. It's, it's at the, the URL nonprofitleadershipguide.com. And you can go, yeah. And I have a, a really good book, a little ebook. It's, a, it's called Stop Sitting Back and Start Making Change. A lot of the principles that I talk about are in that book. And there's a couple of other cool things in there that you can have to really start understanding how to create more conscious leadership like and, and navigate your feelings and help other people do that as well. Your productivity will skyrocket 100%. Great. And good to know. Thank you again, Marianne, for sharing your insights and for all you're doing to help shape leaders and make them better so that nonprofit organizations are better. So I really appreciate you taking time to be on the show. Thank you so much. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.